Hey, this is Justin. Y'all know Justin. He's our youth pastor. The shortest introduction ever. Yeah, so uh, I was standing up here and praising in my contact. I just felt it. For the ones that wear glasses or contacts, you know, that's, that's aggravating. So anyway, it popped out, and I had to stick it in my mouth. So almost all the way through worship, I had a contact stuck in my mouth. So. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, yeah, it's a good vision. And the bad thing is, that's my last set of contacts. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so everybody's, ooh. Uh. So, for one, I'm glad to see uh, my wife uh, back in church. We, we, had, we had a baby. Yeah, we, we, had, a, we had our fourth and final. Uh, three boys, and we, we finally got a girl, Grace Elizabeth. And she's not here today. Uh, we're trying to keep her away, you know, to make sure she doesn't get sick because all three of our boys spent a little bit of time in the NICU from getting sick as soon as they were born and stuff like that. So, but anyway, so, yeah, we're trying to keep her, trying to keep her healthy. We, I, I, I believe we finally found out what causes babies. I'm not, I'm not sure, <laughs> right? But I'm going to call Pfeiffer Meisenheimer Water, and I'm going to talk to him. I think it's something to do with that. I'm just kidding. We know it's the player most pizza. But uh, anyway, so God has, has definitely, and I want to thank um, Men's Prayer Group for being here this morning. Um, there is a, a big importance in men, um, especially men, in just getting involved with each other and praying. And just have, there, there, is a, there is a strong importance in that, and I believe, I know, Shannon Spate, um, said that last Sunday that it's time for the men to stand up. Um, and I'll get, I'll get into that a little bit more in the service. That was spot on, what God laid on your heart, laying, laying in the bed at your house, you said. So thanks, thanks to the men's prayer group for being here. Um, that prayer group's been going on for, what, 20-some 20, 20 years? Foreman, daddy? It's been, it's been going on 30 30 years. Um, so I, I want to I thank them for being here and, and praying for me. Um, the title of this message is What's Wrong with America? And everybody goes, oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Here it is. I know that's a very loaded title uh, or question. But the, the Lord first laid this message on my heart about two or three years ago. And about two months ago, the Lord told me, preach it in here. Now, I preached this, not this exact sermon, because honestly, the sermon I had already penned two or three years ago, I never even looked at when this message came out. God, um, this word today is straight from God. I'm 100% I'm, I'm and know it. 100%. This has been prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed over and prayed over and prayed over. This morning, I'll just say my contact popped out and everything, but I knew, I woke up this morning thinking, all right, Satan, what, what are you going to try to do? What are you going to try to do? I woke up this morning with anxiety. I rebuked that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Rebuked it. And I, and, I, and I knew it last night. I knew it. I knew that when I woke up this morning... I was going to wake up early, and I wouldn't be able to go back to sleep. And for the people in here who deal with anxiety, your heart's beating right now because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. 
I rebuked that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Came in here, got back in the prayer room, started praying. The power blinked. Right? Richard comes bebopping through. Like this. He's like, I know it's going to be a good service. <laughs> like that. And I said, you know what? That's, that is so true. Satan is trying to stop what he's wanting to do in, a, in the American church and in this, in, in, in this congregation today. So I encourage you to listen to what God has to say. It's not a long message. Zach and um, Devin will be back up here shortly. And we're going to lay hands on people, and we're going to pray for people. Amen. And we're, we're going to see people delivered. I believe that 110%. I know that because that's the word that God is bringing forth today. So with, with us having our, our fourth and final, uh, fourth and final for sure, final kid, um, I had the awesome opportunity of, of being out for six weeks. My job gives me six weeks paid leave for, for, um, uh, for having a baby. Um, and so... Okay, Libby had the baby, okay. Well, I don't know, in today's age, uh, no, I'm just kidding, no, I'm just kidding, no. I'm just kidding. So they, they gave me six weeks off of pay, so I took a seventh week on the end of that because six wasn't enough. <laughs> but anyway, so as I was, I was off, um, I believe it was the first week God said, um, asked Paul for a date to preach. The first weekend you said, you want to preach in two weeks? I said, no. <laughs> Not ready. But as I was off, I thought, you know what, I, I, I like to stay busy. I like to stay moving. You can ask Libby, I'm always outside, I'm always doing something. I thought, well, you know, I like to build things. I like to, to remodel things inside the house. We remodeled our bathrooms and did stuff inside the house. And so I thought, well, I'm going to build a lean-to. I need a lean-to off the building. And for people who have junk around your house, you're never too short of a lean-to, right? You need more lean-tos, right? Amen? Yeah, I see a hand in the back. Everybody needs a lean-to. So I thought, well, I'm going to build a lean-to, a 16 by 24. My dad helped me. And so we built this thing together. And so I like, when I build something, I like it to be structurally sound. I like to overdo it. If it calls for a 2 by 4 I like to use a 2 by 6 If it calls for a 2 by 6 I like to use a 2 by 8 I like to go above and beyond the call for what it calls for. I like to build stuff structurally sound. So as I was out there digging holes and getting stuff set up. And Russ, I'm so sorry. I haven't told you when to post those pictures, but um, I'll let you know in just a second. As I was building this, God started to quicken in my heart uh, things about America. Things about America. Things about America. God first told me, said, get away from all media. Get, get away from all news, right? And let me tell you what's wrong with America, right? And so that's, that's what I've been doing up until today, or I hadn't yet. So, um, so as I was building that, I was just, God just started putting things in my, in my spirit. And I've always been like this. I, I like seeing houses that are structurally sound, ones that, are, that have been around for 150 years, and they're solid houses, solid houses. And one house is the Biltmore. Russ, if, you, if you've got that picture, um, and if you don't, that's fine. So this is uh, the Biltmore Estate, which we all know in, in Asheville. I, I think we've been there three times, right, Lib? Um, I love going. And every time I go, Libby says, why do, you, why do you and your dad touch everything? 
Because we, we, like we like to touch the wood and, right, and, and Jordan and, and the walls, and we like to see how, where are the weirdos in the corner? Oh, yes. You know? <laughs> so so we, we, we like things that are structurally sound. And when you look at this house, that is a structure, structurally sound home. That home was built to last. Okay, it was built to last not just for 10, 15 years, but a long time. Men sweat, and I'm sure that some, maybe even, I'm not sure if any died, but that just sounds right with, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Libby. <laughs> so, but men sweat, and when they were laying that foundation, I'm sure they weren't thinking, I'm building this for it to fall. They were building it for it to last for eternity. So when, you, when I was doing some research on this uh, built, on the Biltmore, Really, the only thing I, I felt like I wanted to uh, say was that the, the foundation is 18 feet wide and 40 feet tall. That's the foundation of the Biltmore, made out of limestone that was hand-cut, come out of Indiana, and was chain trained directly to the front door of the Biltmore. It's a massive structure and a massive foundation that will hold a massive house and will stand for a long time long time. Now I've got another picture if Russ wants to put it up. This is Libby and I's first house. <laughs> and yes, I'm working on the yard. No. This house, I'm sure that the people who laid the foundation thought the same thing, right? They laid the foundation, blood, sweat, and tears, and probably had the same thought. We're building this foundation for this house to stand forever. They never thought that that house was going to fall. But as you can see, as if a house, the foundation begins to erode and it begins to crack and it begins to crumble and it's neglected and not taken care of, you'll see the roof starting to sag. You'll see how the right side of the house starts to lean in. The windows, a lot of times you'll see the windows begin to kind of disfigure and you'll see cracks. And once it starts cracking in the roof and around windows and doors, moisture gets in. And once moisture gets in, we know the house is not far, far from falling in. Just like the condo in Florida that just collapsed, killing 98 people. The foundation and the ground under it, they had issues. They had issues with the foundation and the ground underneath that condo. So I ask you the question again, what's wrong with America? Before we answer this question, let's look at America's foundation originally. And I do not have my phone. I need my phone, Mama. Let's look at, hey, this sounds bad. I had to look this up last night, and I'm not going to tell you what it was, because you'll be like, oh, you didn't know that? <laughs> Libby knows. She's laughing. All right. 1492, Christopher Columbus. We all know what he did. But this letter I had to look up. We're going to start talking about the foundation of America. And I might have to look a little close because this contact is spinning like crazy. This one's like dead on, so I might be like this. So y'all just, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's just my contacts. Christopher Columbus said, and I want you to listen to the words of this man in this letter. He says, it, it was the Lord who put into my mind, I could feel the hand upon me, the fact that it would be possible to sail from here to the Indies. All who heard of my project rejected it with laughter, and they ridiculed me. 
there is no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit. Because he comforted me with the rays of marvelous inspiration from the Holy Scriptures, a man in the Word. For the execution of the journey to the Indies, I did not make use of intelligence, mathematics, or maps. Think about that. Foreman, you got a boat. Imagine going out and just saying, I'm not using my instruments, I'm just going to go. For the execution of the journey to the Indies, I did not make use of intelligence, mathematics, or maps. It is simply the fulfillment of what Isaiah had prophesied. It's by the Holy Spirit. 1620, the first settlers landed in America seeking religious freedom. It took 66 days and a lot of faith for those men to do that. On November 11, 1620, the Mayflower Compact was signed by the settlers. The first sentence in the Mayflower Compact says, Having undertaken the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Men were laying a foundation. Men. Men, we got to stand up. 1776, the Declaration of Independence was largely, not wholly, largely written by 33-year-old Thomas Jefferson who said, Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that their liberties are a gift of God? Patrick Henry, Patrick Henry said, I cannot, be, I cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, not by Christians, not by religions, but by the gospel of Jesus Christ. John Adams said, It is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom will securely stand. Timothy Dwight, president of Yale, on July 4th, 1798, said, Where there is no religion, there is no morality. With the loss of religion, the ultimate foundation of confidence is blown up and life, liberty, and property are buried in the ruins. We're not far from it, folks. Let's get one thing straight. These, these men were not perfect men. We can all agree with that. They sinned. They, they were not perfect men. They were not all Christians. But they all had one thing in common. The standards and the morals that come out of this word. Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27, Jesus said, Jesus said that those who hear my words, and this is key, those who hear my words and do them are wise builders. They have built their homes on the rock, the solid foundation. Those who hear his words but fail to live by them are the foolish builders. They may build the grandest of houses like the, like the Biltmore, but they sit on a shaky foundation. This country was built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Colleges will try to persuade you. As I was doing research, it was hard for me to find, really find the truth anymore because it's been so distorted. This country was built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So how do we get from the Biltmore house to the house that's about to fall in. These are just some of 
the many ways. And I'm, I'm going to read some. Let me tell you before I read them. Truth will set you free. So before I read these, if this steps on your toes, God penned this. This is not Justin. This is from the Word. June 25th, 1962. Fa uh, school faculties can no longer pray out loud in schools. Look at our schools. You start to take God out of things, start looking at the, it. It's starting to crumble and, and fall. 1973, Roe versus Wade. Over 63 million babies killed since that law. That's 186 abortions per 1,000 births, 2,362 per day, 98 per hour, and one every second. The woman's name, Norma McCorvey, Jane Rowe, did not have an abortion because the ruling came too late. Now she declares she is a pro-lifer and regrets her role in the case. 1980, Supreme Court ruled to remove the Ten Commandments from within the courthouses, but they can still keep them on the lawns in some states and some, some counties. I believe Stanley County still has theirs on the lawn. I'm not sure. I think they're in the front on the left, I think. Thank God for that. Take God out of the courts. Look at our, look at our courts. 2015, the Supreme Court ruled and granted same-sex marriage, changing God's rule on marriage. God for see, see, the problem in America is not drugs. It's not abortion. It's not the Ten Commandments being removed. It's not homosexuality. It's not a white man problem. It's not a black man problem. It's not a Democrat problem. It's not a Republican problem. It's not a COVID-19. It's not a critical race theory problem. It's not a conspiracy theory problem. It's not lawlessness in the streets problem. It's not a vaccinated or unvaccinated problem. It's not a maskers or non-maskers problem. It's not a greed, a malice, jealousy, lies problem. It's not a government, pedophilia, pornographic, Killing, shootings, etc. Problem. Those are all symptoms of the problem. Now we're going to bust the word open. Isaiah 3, 1 through 15. See now the Lord Almighty is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah. Listen to these words. Let's get one thing straight. God's not talking about America. I know somebody's probably going to say, well, he wasn't, he wasn't talking about America. I know that. But listen to the words. See now, and Tasha, you said you were reading, I don't know where Tasha's at. She said she was, she was reading Isaiah. Good book to start. Good one to be in. It'll step on your toes. See now the Lord, the Lord Almighty is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support. All supplies of food and all supplies of water. Let's stop right there. We had a shortage on toilet paper, and look how everybody freaked out. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's not the end of it. We keep going down the road we're going. There's going to be food shortages and everything else. I'm telling you, folks. You thought the toilet paper was bad. God said, I'm going to take away the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the soothsayer and the elder, the captain of 50 and the man of rank, the counselor, the skilled craftsman, and the clever enchanter. I will make boys their officials. Like I said, this is not a political party bashing. 
This is just look at what's going on. Let's look what's going on and has been going on. It didn't just start. It's been going on. The captain of 15, the man of rank, the counselor, the skilled craftsman, the enchanter. I will make mere boys their officials, mere children will govern them. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will rise against the old and the base against the noble. The base against the noble. How many are we seeing that now? No respect, no respect for law enforcement. None. None. I didn't write it. A man will seize one of his brothers at his father's house and say, you have a cloak, you and your leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins. But in that day he will cry out, I have no remedy. I have no food, I have no clothing in my house. Do not make me the leader of the people. It says Jerusalem begins to stagger and Judah is falling. In my Bible years ago, a long time ago, I wrote, I wrote right in here, USA. I probably wrote that 20-some years ago as a teenager. When I picture Jerusalem staggers and Judah's falling, I picture America as the once heavyweight in the ring, and he's one punch away from hitting the map. Staggering. Tell the righteous it will be well with them, for they will they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. But woe to the wicked... Disaster is upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. Youth oppress my people. Women rule over them. Oh, my people, your gods lead you astray. And it keeps going on. But we still didn't find the problem. Romans chapter 1, 8, 18 through 32. I know it's a lot of reading, but God is just wanting to hammer something home. So I'm going to do it. Romans 1, we're going to find the problem right here. And some of you know exactly. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known by God is plain to them, they know the truth, but they try to suppress it because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that man is without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. I'm telling you, this will preach itself. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Boy, mm. and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their, in their sinful desires to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. 
Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, there's your problem. That's America's problem. And I'll read it again. Since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. Deuteronomy 32, 18. You deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the, gave, the, the God who gave you birth. If Zach and Devin, if y'all don't mind, please. Jeremiah 15, 19 through 20 says, If you repent, I will restore you so that you can serve me. That's the word. That's the word. Second Peter 3, 19 through 15. Sorry, my contact's messing up again. It's spinning like crazy. 3, 19 through 15. Oh, Holy Spirit, have your way. It says, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Isaiah 55, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. It goes on and in Jeremiah again it says, if a country will turn from its sin, turn from its wicked ways, he will heal this land. This is not hate speech, this is love speech. We are called to love people, but I don't want to love you right into hell. If I, if I read one thing in this scripture and I believe one page, I believe the whole thing. That's truth. I'm not saying it. God's saying it. God doesn't want anybody to perish. Now I want to talk to the men in the room. Pastor Bob at, at Nehemiah's funeral said something that just something small to me. I said, man, it's so sad what happened to Nehemiah. He looked at me. He said, next man up. Next man up. Next man up. Nehi's been laying a foundation for years. Yep. Who's going to take the torch? The coach looks at the players on the sideline. All right, so-and-so, ready, get in. What are you going to say, I'm not ready? I'm talking to the men. I'm talking to the men in this room. We, as a congregation, God is saying, repent of your sins. I don't care if you're in the middle of an affair right now or if you just stole gum from the store down here at the Friendly Mart. I don't care. God's wanting all sin washed clean this morning. 100%, every bit of sin in your life. I don't care if pastor, down to whoever, everybody is going to repent of the sin that is in your life. Why? Because God's wanting to do something in His church as a whole, but in this church, the door's about to, about to blow out this building. I believe it, right? We got to repent of our sins. We're going to do it this morning. We're going to repent of all of our sins. If you want, and I'm going to give an altar call as well. If you if you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, I, I'm going to ask you to come stand over here. When they start playing, you want a relationship with Jesus, and I, you, your heart's pumping 100 miles an hour in your chest. And I'm telling you, don't you walk out of them doors without experiencing Jesus Christ. He'll change your life. There's two other things. 
that we're going to pray about. One is the spirit of anxiety. We're going to rebuke that spirit. And if you battle anxiety, I want you to stand up here on this side. Don't be ashamed of it. This is what church is about. Come on. If you need help in prayer for anxiety, where's our, I know we got prayer warriors to come stand with these people. If you, want, if you want to experience Jesus Christ in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to come stand right here. There's one other person that I have to speak to, and God laid this on my heart three weeks ago. There is a person in here about battling addiction of alcohol. And you know exactly who you are. And today, God has told me, told me three weeks ago, He is going to set you free 100%. No, no yearning, no, no desires. You will be set free of the spirit of, of addiction to alcohol if you come up here to this front. And we're going to rebuke it. I don't know who you are, but I pray you're obedient. Because God wants to deliver you from addiction. About 30 years ago, I went to an altar and, and I just... I was struggling with an addiction to nicotine and alcohol, and the preacher man said, if you have anything in your life that you want to give to Jesus, just lift up your hands, and he's here, and he took it. He took the nicotine like that. The alcohol is gone. So I just encourage you, whatever it is, if you come up here, God will take that from you and give you back what you need from him. I'm telling you, folks, God's here. He's here. If you need deliverance from addiction, come up to this altar. And I'm, we're going we're to pray about it. We're going to get rid of it. If y'all want to stand up, if you want to come down to the front, we're going to worship. We're going to worship God again. out of them doors without being delivered from addiction.
All right, so I spent last night, I spent four hours with Pastor Paul last night. We didn't understand a word of what we needed. We needed Anya to tell us what was going on, but um, I have to say this because too long, and I get a different view than most people because I'm serving where the Lord has placed me, but too long. I watch people after people sitting here watching God move at this altar and you sit in these seats with your arms crossed and walk out of here and don't believe in God. What is wrong? He moves and you sit in your seats with your arms crossed. Pay attention, people. What Justin is talking about is you. You have to go out and profess your faith and be what the Lord has called you to be and not sit in your seat and sit back and watch what's happening to this country, to this world, to Jesus Christ who we profess as our Lord and Savior. He hands me the mic and says, sorry. So, okay, that was, that was good. Um, I'm going to come back to that. Come on. Hey, this is Justice Dad. I love what the Spirit did here this morning. It's just, uh, it's just always, it's always the presence of God is so sweet. Just so sweet. But during, the, during worship, uh, and I said, God, I'll be obedient if the time presents itself. But he was telling me when we were praying in the Spirit, he said, did I not leave the 99? <laughs> to, find, to find the one. And he did that. He did that for me. He did it for anybody that is in here that knows Jesus. He did it for this young man standing right here. It came for salvation this morning. So why am I telling you this? If you were the only one on the face of the earth when the supreme sacrifice was gave, which was Jesus, he would have did it for you alone. It doesn't say this in the Bible, but I just, I sense that when he hung on that cross and he bled and died in a twinkling of an eye, he saw every one of you in this room. He loves you that much. So please, if God's tugging on your heart this morning, it's Kimmer, Kimmer? Richard, Kimmer just said, People said, and I'm not not saying he was judging, but you know what? Satan will let you walk out of here. He'll let you walk out of here. And if God's tugging on your heart, please, if you're the one out on the backside of the pasture, come. Come because the presence of God is here. call it out on me. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know how this is going to come out. Um, most of you know I, I do construction for a living. And when you showed those houses up there, when I went to school, the engineering was opposite. They didn't build off the foundation. It worked from the top down, which was wrong in God's word. Um, uh, you can put all the money you want in the foundation. All that money. You can beef it up like the Biltmore house. And you feel like you're standing strong. But it ain't on the rock. It ain't on the soil what it's bearing on. I, I build for developers that spend money and money. Tons of money. Millions of dollars. And if they don't do the research on the soil, where, where, the, where the building's going, it don't matter. It's going to fail. So where's your, your foundation built on? Where's it at? Is it? Because of 99, he's calling. I want it built on Jesus. You're built on Jesus now. Heaven is celebrating way more than what we can describe. Way more. It feels good right now, but heaven is exploding because of your faithfulness. Your obedience and boldness to get up here and be a man. Chris, he's got a ministry for you. Addiction. He's called you out of the miry clay. He's going to put it in you to call more people out of the miry clay. See that in yourself. Proclaim it. Sorry, I'm whew, back, back to the old high school football days. Crack back. You can put all, what I came up here to say, you can put all your money in worldly things. You can build your foundation, but if it's on shifty sand, it doesn't matter. It's going to fail. One of the last verses I think Justin said was Second Chronicles. And it talks about if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways. That's the part that we really don't want to talk about. Can we, can we be honest? We want to repent. I've done it. I'm not casting judgment because the biggest offenders in this room standing in front of you with a microphone. We want to re repent and turn don't repent and keep doing. Brothers and sisters, you were made for more than that. And if you're an unbeliever, the first step is coming to Christ. He will turn you. He will right your ship. I can say that in absolute confidence. I battled a pornography addiction for 15 years. And I repented and I kept doing it. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and gave me the ability to lay that down. Brothers and sisters, I'm just telling you, the power of God is immeasurable. You think you can't get over what you're dealing with right now? And I don't care how wicked it is. God has that ability. You don't. Come to the Lord. It says the kindness of, kindness of God leads us to repentance. What is the kindness? It's Jesus. He took a death you deserve. You deserve that. I deserve that. I deserve to die a miserable death, die and go to hell. 
That's what Chase Godwin deserves, but he, his kindness, church, he took that for you. I can't say it loud enough. That's the kindness of God. Repent, church. So let's do this. Um, I love the 99 and the 1. Can I just take that to a, a, a new place, a new perspective? It was a sheep that was lost. We always, we, and we should use that for evangelism, right? Let's leave the 99 and go after the 1. It was a 1, it was a sheep. It was his, and that sheep was lost. So if you're here this morning and you're like, none of this applies to me, I'm following Jesus, are you? That's the question, right? Because sheep tend to wander, and we keep hearing the same word of repentance, right? And so I'm just going to give you the opportunity to respond, and here's what that's going to look like. If, you, if these words of repentance have struck a chord with you, however fiery they were given or soft they were given, right? The delivery only amplifies the passion behind it. So God is obviously moving for us here today, right? And if you know that you need to respond to that, I'm just going to ask you. I know there's a bunch of people already standing. We won't count you. But I'm just saying, if you want to respond to that, I just need you to stand up where you are. Yes, every eye is open and every head is turning. Just stand up and say, that's me. I'm, I'm following Jesus, but I need to repent. I'm the lost if that's you, stand up because any follower of Christ knows exactly where you've been. There is no judgment. There is no judgment. Only celebration in Christ. And thank you for being bold. So, who else? Because we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. All right. That takes courage. Thank you. Can we get some women over here? And then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to give you some instruction. And then we're going to go eat. God, I thank you that this morning you love your sheep enough to not let a service end without making sure they know that you're coming for them. I pray, God, right now over these that stood, I just pray for Father Courage, even beyond standing. What a powerful word that we repent and then we turn. And so I thank you for your kindness, God, right now that has brought such a powerful word of redemption, God. Redemption into our lives. Do the work of a master builder, I pray, right now through the Holy Spirit. Begin to rebuild the foundations of these lives. I pray you begin to show the cracks and fill them, God. Because what you're building on this foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ in their lives is more than they could ever ask or imagine. And it starts here right now. I thank you for freedom, God, from thoughts 
that would continually tell us that we're not good enough. We agree that we aren't, but God is. He is good enough. Everything that we need for godly living is found in Jesus. And we thank you for that foundation, God. Thank you, Father. I pray, God, for times of refreshing in these lives. Because according to the word, times of refreshing follow times of repentance. And so I just pray, God, you just, the joy of the Lord would return, God, to them. That they would find themselves smiling when they don't even know why. Thinking about how good you are to them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So uh, Laura is one of our family life servant leaders um, in the back, and she just feels like we're supposed to pray over the kids. Um, so parents, if you're near your kids, just put your hands on their heads. And then in good family life servant leader fashion, she went and recruited us, Blake, to pray. And I love that. Man, Blake's got the power of God all over him, full of the Spirit of God. So we're going to let him pray over his generation, okay? watched him I've watched him kids go through anxiety and I know you you little kids you feel it just like we adults feel it and that Jesus doesn't want you to feel that way and you have the power inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and Satan cannot mess with y'all's minds and tell you that and Blake can tell you right now he's got the power of the Holy Spirit inside of him Dear Lord, I pray for all the kids out there. I pray that their anxiety would go away and that they do not have to feel that. I pray that you would deliver them from anxiety and that they would just have peace and that they wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. In Jesus' name, amen.